1: When things go from bad to worse, there's a reason. It's that reason that we are going to explore in depth on today's broadcast. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner back in Romans chapter 1. Join us. from bad to worse, you ever wonder why? Well, there are reasons, explanations, and that's what we're looking at today here in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 32. There comes a point where God says, if you want it, I'll give it to you. Pretty much like the Israelites in the Exodus. Yeah, they, they were missing the meat and the leeks, right? So God said, fine, I'll give you quail till you puke and die from it. Well, that is kind of what the Apostle Paul is laying out in front of us here in Romans chapter 1. Given over by God. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner and today's Abounding Grace.
2: Given over by God. These verses are pretty ugly, but it's something we need to hear. When we read this text, surely... The first thought that should enter into our minds is how much we need the gospel. Oh, how we need to flee to Jesus Christ. We cannot hear often enough to come to him as our cleansing and our righteousness, that he is the bread of life, the water of life, the wine of life. We cannot hear this often enough, and yet... We are sleepers. We are sleepers. Remember, Paul wrote this letter to believers, and he found it necessary and important, given where they were, given what he hoped the Roman church would become. It was very necessary for them to be confronted with the horrors of sin. Uh, Not so they could look down their noses at other people and say, oh yeah, he obviously is guilty of that, or she has obviously done that. But so for ourselves, confronted with our sins, we might flee to Christ and then spend our life repenting and turning away from our sins and clinging to our Savior. What happens when men reject God's revelation in nature? Now, remember here, he's not talking about what God does to those who reject the gospel. That will actually be in the next chapter. But what happens to men who simply reject what God has revealed in his created order, (coughs) in their own hearts, in their consciences, Because, of course, they were made in the image of God. What happens to them? God comes against their presumption, their ingratitude, their unbelief, by giving them over to sin. Now, this ought to alarm us. Three times in this passage, the same verb is used. Given over. It means turn someone over to the power of something that is horrible. You see, there is no playing with God. There's no dabbling with sin, even without Scripture. Even if all we have is God's revelation in nature, in the sunrise, in the mountains, and in the streams, and in the fowls of the air. If that is all the revelation we have it would still be dangerous to dabble with sin and to play with God. You know, when we see how much reckless sinning is in the world today, and many of the things we read in this text, one of the things, first things we often think of is, boy, men have escaped God and have just clean thrown off his authority. That, of course, is why they're acting like they do. But Paul says something different. Paul says that when men are given over to reckless sinning, vile lust, and all of that litany of crime that he gives in verses 29 through 31, it's not evidence that we have escaped God. It is evidence that he has thrown us off. Now, not every unbeliever, of course, has all of these sins in his life. God does restrain uh, men as a whole. uh, If he hadn't, this world would quickly become unlivable. In fact, I'd give it about two hours, and the church would be overwhelmed with the godliness and the persecution and the wrath of man. But understand, Paul says here, This seed is in each one of us. The root of this faith is the common plague on the human race because we revolted against our maker. So when we see men given over to these sins, we don't sit back in judgment. God is already doing the judgment in the sin. And our hearts are not to break. We will see as we go on. That our hearts ought to be trembling. Because if God gives over those who simply reject the light of nature. What will he do to those who reject the light of Christ. And of scripture and of God's grace in their lives. Verse 24. Whatever. That makes it very clear that these sins that Paul mentions in these verses. Are God's response. His judicial response to man's blindness and man's ingratitude, man's idolatry, worshiping and serving the creature rather than the Creator. We need to understand that we live in a world in which God does not sit idly by and let His creatures insult and mock His majesty, especially since He has put His Son at His right hand. He has revealed Himself clearly. To every single man, woman, and child who are on the planet today, every single one in creation, in our own conscience, no God exists. So clearly that a nursing infant has abundantly sufficient proof of God's goodness. You know, I see some of you mothers nurse your infants And I'm confronted with the absolute undeserved goodness of God. But really not as I should be. I I see that nursing child and I imagine every one of us was in that condition when we were born. Every single one of us. And all believers in the world were in that exact condition And had God not had mercy upon us and fed us, when we could not feed ourselves, we would have perished, would we not? There is no excuse. Every single man knows his creator. Every single man in this world alive today knows that God is his creator, that he owes his life to him, and that he will be judged for his sins. Beloved, you need to understand this. Every single man, woman and child, knows this. This is not a lesson we learn at school. But as soon as we open our eyes, we are, as Calvin said, compelled to see him. And he is the one who reveals himself. And we see it in nature, everywhere. Everywhere. But what happens when we turn from him? When we say, no, I'm I'm not going to be grateful for God's goodness. I'm not going to look at his revelation. I'm just going to deceive myself into thinking nature just reveals time. Plus time. Plus time. Plus time. Plus luck. Plus chance. Plus luck. Plus more time. What happens when men go down that path? God punishes with more sin. He punishes rebellion with out-of-control rebellion. Have we not seen this? The judgment is just, and no one can plead ignorance. Paul's very clear about this. And there's nothing more miserable or more futile than a life given over by God to unrestrained sinning. What must we do who profess godliness? We must flee to the Lord Jesus Christ. We must flee to his gospel. To be a slave to the lust of uncleanness that he mentions in verse 24. Oh, that is a hell on earth. Our hearts are such a cesspool of filth. That for God to give us over to them. I sincerely wonder if hell wouldn't be more preferable preferable than to be given over to the debased and depraved lust and darkness of one's own heart and mind. And perhaps that is one of the most significant aspects of hell. You see, this is what happens when men change the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator. All that is left is this hopeless pit of filth. That is all there is left, Paul says. He says that God tells us, You have rejected my light. You have rejected my glory. You did not worship me and serve me as your goodness and your joy. So I'm going to give you over to your lies. I'm going to make it impossible for you to even believe the truth. I'm going to give you over to the filth of your own vile passions. What a terrible judgment for God to give to His creatures who were made to know Him, to be His image bearers, to find their joy in Him, and then to be given over to our filth. But God will not be mocked. He will either have us for Himself or He will give us over to ourselves, our darkened minds, debauchery, man-worship, which is what consumerism is in our culture. Think about it. This is what statism is. This is what enslavement to the world's lust and passion and opinion is. This popular thinking is, it's all about me. It is God giving men over to reprobate minds and depraved desires. Now, when we hear this today, and there is a lot of application of this to us, obviously, but the only legitimate response we can make is immediate, deep, lifelong repentance. Lifelong. It wouldn't do to say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't have to worry about sin anymore. No, you've got to understand As it has been said in history, in the history of the church, if you are not about killing sin, sin will be about killing you. That is why Paul says in Colossians 3, 5, mortify your members which are upon the earth. Put to death those sinful passions. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, put on Christ Christ. Put off the old man and and put on the new. I hate to say it, brother. But I must be honest and confess, I see my own shadow in the list of sins here. And it is not pleasant. None of us like to look at ourselves. What do I want to see, though? I want to see the image that I would like for other people to see. I, I don't want to see the real me. As Christians, what we are supposed to learn, what are we supposed to learn from this? Well, like David, my sin is always before me. But let me say something about that at this point. When David said, my sin is always before me, he didn't mean I don't trust God's mercy. Because, of course, as we all know, he did. David didn't mean, well, I keep crying enough and if I keep confessing enough, God will finally forgive me. No, we're not Roman Catholics. We don't believe our our penance, our our confession, our works bring any forgiveness. It is Jesus Christ alone who brings cleansing and immediate healing, immediate, immediate righteousness through Christ. But there is a sense at the same time, In which when we look back at the sins of our lives, there's always a gospel sword prick right there where we have sinned. Why do I need to know that? It's kind of like if you had a back injury, let's say. I'm sure many of you have had one at one time or another. And you're going on about your day, and maybe your wife comes to you and says, Honey, can you move this back of, bag of potting soil for me? So you bravely go outside, and you pick it up, and, oh, oh, yeah, son, could you come out here and please move this bag for your mom? Because you've stopped. Why? It is because you know if you bend any further, you may not be able to straighten up ever again. And in the same way, the believer who is sincerely repenting or has repented over the sins of his life, there is a sensitive spot to the conscience there. There is a sword prick of the gospel so that when he gets close to it, oh, yeah, no, not going there again. I'm not going to look at that anymore because I remember. I'm not going to say that because I remember. You see, repentance is lifelong. That is the reason many times we fall into sin and keep falling and we keep falling into it and we keep falling over and over and over until even a church starts manifesting many of these crimes and sins that are mentioned here because we forget. Oh, yes, I'm forgiven. When I confess my sins and I look to the Lord. But I don't then just walk on my way as if God simply gave me a hot dog and a bag of chips and I just move on with my life. No, there's always a sense of gratitude for the Christian, for his mercy, and a sense of holy fear. I don't want to sin like that anymore. I hate that sin. And I know if I don't guard and watch my heart, and if I don't keep seeking grace, because I'm weak now in this area, I could go back there. I must be on my guard. You know, there is a truth here that we are confronted with in this text that is not pleasant to talk about. And that is that sin never rests. Sin never rests. And if we give ourselves over to sin, any sin, unless we really repent and hate it and turn from it and flee to Christ and keep on fleeing to Christ and keep on repenting and keep on seeking His grace, that sin is going to keep on striving in us until it masters us. We see that in our day. In our depravity, we try to convince ourselves that Depravity is normal. And if you think about it, it is understandable. Why? Because all blind men know is blindness. They can't see anything else. Some of the filthiest in our culture do everything they can. In fact, in some of the most depraved in our culture spend their entire lives trying to make other people believe that they are the clean ones. That they are the ones that can see through atheistic education, moral permissiveness, decay, and tolerance in society. Sometimes through the force of law. They elevate the atrocities to the new standard of justice and holiness and righteousness in society. Just think about homosexuals and transgenders. What is this? This is blindness. This is wrath from God against all of this uncleanness. Paul says here at the end of verse 25 that God is the only blessing. All of our happiness, all of our joy in life comes from him, from coming to him, from repenting of our sins and seeking him. Now you might say, I don't want to live that kind of life constantly having to repent i just want to smile all the time well you know i found that the only people who really smile sincerely are the people who do live this way the only people who are really joyful that i have known in my life are the people who take sin seriously because if we don't take sin seriously then we can't take grace seriously If we don't take sin seriously, we kind of get giddy. Oh, I had this new feeling from God, and it's so great. And and then I go out, and I lust after someone, or sneak a little pornography, or I go out and backstab, or I go out and disobey my parents. Why is this? Because happiness comes from holiness, and holiness only comes from the ever-blessed God. And when we feel our weakness and our sinfulness, one of the things we do if we are Christians is that we run to God and we keep on running to Him. It's not not painful to keep running to Him. It is a joy. Lord, I need help here. I hate this sin. I want to forsake it. Will you help me? And then the next day you struggle a little bit more. Lord, I need your help with this. Will you be gracious to to me and merciful to me? I confess it to you. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.31, Lord, I stand with you and judge myself. I condemn myself. Will you help me? Will you please forgive me through this, Jesus? Of course I will. Forgive you, my son my daughter, and I will give you myself in your seeking of me. But I may want you to struggle in this sin for a particular time because you won't seek me unless I keep you low. Let me tell you something about piety. You will not seek God, at least most of us, unless he brings us low. You will not do it because if everything is going well and everything just seems to be fitting right into place, we just strut around like peacocks. Now, we may still pray a little bit on the side. and We may still go to church, of course, if it fits into our schedule. But there is no sense of need. And yet all right prayer is born out of a sense of need. I must have God. He must bless me. I must have his power. I must have his strength. I must have his mercy. So I will seek him with my whole heart. That is why Jesus in describing the citizens of his kingdom said, Blessed are those who weep. Blessed are those who are lowly in spirit, humbled by their sinfulness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, all of which are born out of a sense of need, which only comes when we are honest about our sins. If you give yourself to any sin, no matter how small you may think it be, there are no limits to how far you may fall. Remember David. Remember Solomon. There are no limits to that. Now, God may bring you back, but then again, He may not. If you're not one of his, he may let you go. He'll say, have it all your way. You rejected my truth. You rejected my life. So have your filth, because that's all you're going to get. Oh, smile if you can. Try to pick up shattered remnants of your life and find something in your filth if you can, like many actually do today. Like we all do apart from grace. But if we want to have peace and we want to have joy, we have to be honest about our weaknesses. We have to realize that God is my only blessing, my only strength, my only helper. And then run to the Lord Jesus Christ.